Adventure Presentation. Welcome back to another Untitled Movie Review. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside, he's allergic to tomatoes, but he is tomato meter approved, Eric Marchin. Matt, are you ready to fight at the gates of hell? I'm ready to get naked and at a volcano just wrestle you. Just yep. wrestle you. Yes, What's with up? the same type body types as both Alexander yes, Skarsgård and yeah. Clay Spang. <laughs> we, you and I would look exactly the same. Absolutely, you know, uh, would actually would be a much different silhouette. Uh, today we are reviewing Robert Eggers' The Northman, starring Alexander Skarsgård, Nicole Kidman, uh, Clay Bang, uh, Anya Taylor Joy, Ethan Hawke, Bjork, Willem Dafoe, and more. Uh, Eric, how you doing? I'm good, Matt. I, uh, it, it's going to be fun talking about this movie because I, I know that you're not necessarily the biggest Robert Eggers fan, um, but it is always really like him, but I, yeah, I'll get into it. Keep going. Sorry. Yeah. It's just interesting to talk about somebody who, you know, with three movies so far, who is so focused on authenticity and detail mm-hmm. and then also making something that's very weird, but also being period specific and in the case of the northman being this 10th century viking epic that's a revenge movie that is also very much you know shakespeare took elements from a viking story yeah. um i think it was from the 12th century and it was danish and it became hamlet i mean even the character's name uh Amleth is an anagram for Hamlet. And so with this, I feel like, you know, everything you've heard about this story, because there's been a lot of conversation about, you know, this $90 million esoteric art film, uh, you know, directed by the guy who did the witch and the lighthouse making this movie for a, a, a major studio, even though it's a subsidiary of, of um, focus features of universal it's still universal. Yeah. Yeah, and having to do reshoots and shooting it during the time of COVID and then kind of being in the editing process and going through tons of notes from the studio to streamline the movie and make it more accessible. And I think one of the things that is most interesting to talk about is how simplistic the plot actually is. It's it's not there's not a lot there like there's more, I think, in there's not Eric, there's not at all. No, no, no. There's more in The Witch and The Lighthouse in terms of the story and the dynamic and, you know, with a Puritan family in the kind of pre-Salem era, you know, witch trials. And then with, you know, these wikis, these lighthouse keepers in terms of like a two-hander, this, it's just literally, you know, a prince, uh, his, his father is murdered by um, his uncle. He goes kind of and becomes a berserker and then remembers that he has to avenge his father, which he promised to do as a child. Oh, and we know that that's, he his says fate. it enough. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, but, but that's, but that I find is interesting that like, that yeah. is truly the main plot or course of the film. And there is a little bit of sort of, you know, a sidestepping there and, and, and kind of moving aside a little bit where, you know, he begins a relationship with Anya Taylor joys, clairvoyant character who um, is also a slave and sort of the relationship between um, his mother played by Nicole Kidman, both Alexander Skarsgård and Nicole Kidman played uh, a couple before in big little lies, which is also really fascinating, but yeah, it's There's a it's, little it's, Easter egg for those people in this movie. Well, it's also just interesting thinking that Bjork, <laughs> Um, 
Alexander Skarsgård and Nicole Kidman have all worked with Lars von Trier as well. And Sean, um, or Sean, the co-writer of this, the Icelandic poet and, and author, um, also wrote uh, the or co-wrote the song Dancer in the Dark that got nominated uh, at the Oscars of the year that Bjork wore that swan dress. Um, right. So there's a lot there in terms of just like film history of, 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 you know, Nordic and Scandinavian history yeah. and, and what have you. But yeah, it's, it's, it's mostly the filmmaking that is, is worth discussing than anything else. I, I think that this movie does what the Revenant was trying to do um, in, in a lot of ways in terms of like kind of being this violent revenge tale. Um, but it does so in a manner that, feels a little bit more just focused i felt that the revenant kind of i mean the, the northman can get up its own ass and it is pretentious in its own way but i feel like the revenant was you know alejandro gonzalez Iñárritu getting high on his own supply after winning all those awards for for birdman and doing this revenge epic with dicaprio where here it's like it's just kind of you know a straightforward plot from a to b and you know again, some interesting delineages on the way. So, yeah. And I don't disagree with that. And, and you kind of alluded to it, but, and I tweeted it out and it, Robert Eggers, is just one of those guys that I want to like, and no matter what he makes, I will always be intrigued or interested by it because I feel like now it's three for three with movies that from a technical standpoint and from a production standpoint, I can completely get behind and I can kind of applaud them. I go, you know, they're meticulously made. I feel like the deep, the attention to detail, to the period, to the performances, um, you know, to every aspect of the technical side of things. I think he is, uh, you know, one of the best working, but there's this weird disconnect I have in every single movie of his that I watch that by the end of it, I just am indifferent. And there was nothing in the movie that really got its hooks into me that made me care about any of it. And now I'm three for three with that. And I think I like the lighthouse the most because the technical side of the lighthouse, I think I'm most intrigued by with the mono sound and the four by three cinematography and the black and white and just like the look and feel and the weirdness of that movie. I like more than the weirdness in, in this movie, but the Northman, I think a lot of my issues are kind of what you were saying where I'm a very plot driven guy, like the filmmaking, obviously I, I care deeply about that and that can kind of elevate certain movies with, you know, generic plots or no plot or, you know, a bad plot to make them kind of enjoyable. But like there was something about this that was so simple and it just bored me throughout the entire thing. And I was just like, I sat there stone faced and I never cared about this, this guy or, or his revenge plot. And I just was like, okay, technically this is, it's loud. It's fucking intense. It's, um, it's weird, but like it's burly. I, it's, it's yeah. It's, it's very bro -y at times. And I'm just like, I, I didn't think that he had great chemistry with Anya Taylor joy. Like I love her, but like there was nothing there for me. I think she's actually just, really good in this though. I will say like, I don't, I don't disagree with you with like the chemistry thing, but I think that there's not supposed to be, necessarily a classic romance of these two sure. people falling in love. I just thought it was a lot of convenient. I agree. For them. But, but then I feel like the way the movie goes, 
that needed to be more to me because like, I felt like it was a lot of tell instead of show. And by the end of it, again, I needed to be invested in these characters. And even from the bat of like some of the brutality that, and I know it's of the time and I know that's what he would have gotten into when he joins this kind of, um, this other crew of guys who you berserkers berserkers that rape and pillage like a a village and stuff like that. Like right off the bat, I'm like, Ooh, I don't, I, I just, I know this is period accurate and everything, but I'm like, I cannot. And I'm not saying your lead character needs to be a good guy either. Right. Like that's never needs to be the case, but I needed something to get my hooks in to make me care. And throughout the whole thing, I was like, wow, he got there really quickly to the point where he needed to be. And I'm like, we have like, fucking an hour and 45 minutes left in this movie i'm like what is what are they gonna do and then by the end of it i'm like all right buddy let's fucking speed this shit up let's get to where you're going i'm like if you're this fucking just do it and anyways i'm just like (laughs) that was the original tagline just do it (laughs) i'm like jesus christ i'm like just get it over with bro and like i just felt like there was a lot of added stuff just to add style and 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 brutality to the movie that i felt like it, it I really felt its length by the end of it because I felt like it was all excessive. Um, But that being said, I didn't dis... I didn't hate the movie. You respected it more than you liked it. Yes, and I thought it was perfectly fine by the end of it. I thought the filmmaking was really well done, the plot to be kind of simple and just kind of generic, and then the performance to be, you know, intense, but one note, and... And that's kind of just how I felt. And I just felt like now I'm three for three for Robert Eggers movies where I'm like, I will go for the filmmaking and and see what kind of weird shit he throws in. But like, I don't know if I'm going to ultimately like really enjoy it. And I want to really enjoy one of his movies and maybe one will click. And you know me, like there's a lot of things that even going from, you know, I, I review movies like I'm just I I love movies. I try to take it from an angle of like maybe like Vin not Diesel from, the movies. Uh, yeah, and I'm just like it's just a very me thing too of like he loves period pieces, right? Like yeah. a different period he loves tackling. A lot of the times something in my idiot brain I just cannot connect with with certain time periods and I just there needs to be a like, cell phone in there like, somewhere. I don't know what it is, but like Vikings or fucking, you know, medieval shit, I'm like I never care. I just it takes something either really and usually like a weird supernatural element or something. Well, you really like in. the like, green knight which i know a lot of I people do, yeah. are comparing that to yes. as well even though that is it's i still think it is apples and oranges in terms of what I they're agree. accomplishing here because like the green knight also being a medieval movie is a little bit more almost meandering in tone yeah. where i feel the northman has this clear sort of singular tunnel vision goal it's like i need to do this i have to get to this this is what i'm doing where i mean he repeats that phrase over and over where again, Patel's character it. has a mission and and yeah. and but he's kind of reluctant to get there because he knows what his fate is going to be and so mm-hmm. it's kind of like this weird shaggy dog story but and it's like, also that a very more playful weird to me movie. too in a weird in a weirder way that's why yeah. i kind of I, I vibe with that movie a bit more but there are elements that i liked i i mean i love willem dafoe and everything and i think he's great in robert eggers movies so like i think that in this he's he's fucking awesome you um, want to see him bark like a dog this is the um, movie for you you know a lot of the action sequences i found you know i think that final fight um is is 
quite good. I think it's the best thing in the movie, but um, I found a lot of the other stuff to be, and I'll let you speak because I know you yeah, didn't yeah, really no, like the movie, but like, um, I'll let you go last so people remember you liking it. But um, I felt a lot of the choreography and action sequences to be kind of clunky in the sense where you know, they're very intense because there's a lot of screaming and a lot of blood and like um, not even blood in a gory way that's like disgusting, but just the intensity is there throughout. But the then sound I design like lot, specifically. The sound design. I saw it at Lightbox and I, I did. Thank you for bringing that up. I thought the sound design was fantastic and um, and the music is great. But like the action sequences themselves, I felt like because he wanted to keep Skarsgård and the other people like and not use maybe a lot of stuntmen and stuff. Maybe the, the no name people around him were stuntmen, but like I found it to be very choreographed in the sense of like, they were moving slower than they should and that they would wait at points and it felt clunky in the way that like someone was waiting for the person to do their next move. And it just felt like this weird clunky dance instead of this brutal, intense, fight sequence at a lot of the times and i think the last fight because it the way it's done in like shadows and in this volcanic background i think it kind of helped it but the stuff that is in daylight where they're fighting in these villages or at um you know like a cricket ball sporting event thing and like which has to be the I, most I, violent game of cricket oh I've yeah ever seen. yeah yeah and like it's not even cricket it's like racquetball almost it almost reminded like me that, a little bit of like, rugby too a little bit yeah. like with like that the way that they're going back yeah because they forth. can actually grab the ball but they have these yeah. big paddles and that's cool i like that but like um i just felt some of the action was really clunky as well to the point where it was distracting to me and like it's certain things like that that kind of took me out of it and then with that very simple plot i just needed a little bit more to kind of get invested in the characters and um i just felt like okay it's a revenge story i've seen a bazillion times in a time period that i don't really think is that interesting and then a character that i'm like I can't really get behind you because I know something shitty happened to you. And then you kind of did a bunch of shitty things. So I'm like, I'm not really cheering for you and I don't have to be cheering for you, but I need something to be like to invest to me in this story. And I felt like I never quite got that. And then I'll let you go in two seconds. I think there is a moment when they had a chance to do that. And there's some plot stuff that is revealed that I think was really interesting. Like there's a really interesting nugget there, which is in Shakespeare stuff. You already referenced it in different things, but like there was a nugget of the daddy issues stuff that I felt like they could have gone somewhere with. And then it kind of just goes back to the very basic revenge kind of thing. And it just lost me again. And so I'm kind of torn and in the middle, like, I don't think it's a bad movie. I probably sound more negative on it than I actually am. Like, I think most people, if you vibe with this time period and you're just looking for like a brutal action movie, like, I think you're probably going to enjoy it. It's just, that's, those are the reasons why it kind of lost me throughout, even though I don't think it's a bad movie. I just not for me. Right. Which is fair. I mean, like, I, I'm going to I like the movie quite a bit. And I think the strongest aspect of this film are the visuals. And and, you know, they shot it mostly in Northern Ireland. Um, and I think that they make really good use of the locations that they were using, a lot of which takes place on uh, uh, the Clay Spangs character's farm in, in that second to third act. But there are things within the world that are this balance of you know, the supernatural and sort of 
the kind of day-to-day life of man coexisting with, you know, mysticism and things like that, that I also think is really well done. But at the same time, I don't think necessarily The Northman is the definitive Viking movie either. I think The Witch and The Northman, I really love partly because of the authenticity and the aesthetic and the, even though, you know, they're in dialects that you might not be able to get word for word, you can understand what is being conveyed in kind of a very broad text. I think what also I was surprised with most when I mentioned kind of how simplistic the plot was, and I didn't mean that as a negative, but I, I, I found more Conan the Barbarian, John Milius, mm-hmm. you know, 80s fantasy action adventure in That's this fair. than I was expecting. Like even the, the one chapter where he goes to get the Nightblade and it talks about like, oh, the Nightblade needs to drink. Like I love that kind of stuff where it's almost weirdly I will say that was pretty cool. Yeah. 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 And, he and like, and has to fight that thing. It felt like, or, or how, how he can only use it at night. And like when the, the moon is out, like, I love that kind of stuff with like the, I rules. agree with you there. That is cool. And, um, um, and that's quickly to jump on that. Crawl. And Dark Souls for me, like, or Elden Ring that recently came out, video game references for people like that, that one fight where he has to get that sword. I'm like, this feels like, and I don't even play Dark Souls and stuff, but I watch a lot of it on Twitch and stuff because it's just too much for me. But like, it reminded me of a boss fight from like a really tough video game, but keep going here. Yeah. And, and I know where you're coming from, where the character who, I mean, all these characters within this story are archetypes. They're not you know, fully fleshed out individuals. And I mean, even Robert Eggers has said that in this really fascinating New Yorker um, yeah, piece. I did that read is, that. It's yeah. really good. But what I like about that character, what I like about Amleth is that there were two, you know, routes that his life could have, or paths that his life could have gone. One, becoming a stuck up heir to this, you know, kingdom. Mm-hmm. And then possibly even being kicked out of Norway because uh, Clay Spang's character uh, is kicked out of Norway and then they go and settle on this yeah. this farmland. But then also, you know, him becoming a berserker. And you mentioned, you know, the, 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 the Slav village sequence where, you know, there is pillaging and raping of, uh, you know, this this small community and you see, you know, all the weaker men women and children kind of being put into this hut and burned alive brutal brutal yeah i think that that not only is representative of the time in terms of like what viking culture was because when we think of vikings especially when it comes to like you know like cartoons they're always like weirdly portrayed as heroic Mm -hmm. but i think having somebody who is out to seek revenge on his own terms, who is also at this point, it's probably the characters in his thirties or, or, you know, late thirties at this point. But um, he like, I, I like that this character isn't anywhere near worth rooting for. There is still the kind of Joseph Campbell kind of like, you know, he's the one that like, this is his story and you're following him. But I like that he's also as brutal and as animalistic as anybody else. And even though he has a legitimate grudge, it doesn't necessarily make him 
any better than anybody else. It's just that he's better at getting to the place where he needs to go than most other people. And I think that that is interesting onto itself. And I love that the way that it's shot in these kind of like single unbroken takes, because you look at a lot of what these big kind of period pieces have become, you know, we talked a lot last year about, you know, Ridley Scott's the last duel specifically Ridley Scott is a guy who has like, 12 cameras set up to capture everything and get as much coverage as possible so you can intercut a scene and and continue to cut from angles and scenes but with this what i really like is that we're on one person and mm-hmm. it's from one person's perspective if it was cutting all around and showing you all this other stuff that's going on within like the village massacre or in any other scene, you would kind of question. It's like, okay, well, whose perspective is this story from them? Because we're, we're, we're moving away from, which is a huge issue we had with the last duel, right? Which is, which is a huge, I think issue with not even period pieces with just editing in general nowadays, where it's like the, you know, there's, there's this kind of, we want to make sure we don't have to necessarily go back and do reshoots and that we can cover, you know, certain scenes if we need to with a different cut. But when you're doing that, you're sacrificing the narrative perspective because it's like, okay, we're cutting to this one scene that is showing these people fighting. And then we're cutting to another scene. That's like, you know, a medium close up of somebody walking into a village or something like that. And you're wondering like, okay, who are we following in this? Are we just following the, 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 the massacre and the mayhem, or are we actually seeing this from the perspective and it never loses sight of what or whose story this is. It's so focused in that way. And I like the idea that there is this little bit of a kind of like, okay, well I have to do this because it is my fate. And this is what I, you know, was sworn to do. And now then on top of that, I'm, you know, being kind of persuaded by, you know, having my own life and doing Mm -hmm. something that's not there. And I know you alluded to something Shakespearean. I got to say, Nicole Kidman's performance in this (laughs) is amazing. Like this is 10 times better. Like she's not going to get nominated obviously because it's a lot of different accents though. (laughs) Oh yeah. But, 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 but you know what, with this kind of movie, I mean, you have Ethan Hawke playing. Oh, that's what I mean. But like you have, Americans, you have Australians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But 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 with that performance, I look at that performance and I'm like, this is the Nicole Kidman who goes and works with people like Yorgos Lanthimos or Lars von Trier, or you know, these these tells people that you really need to go to AMC movies. (laughs) Exactly. To go and see the Northman or or Jonathan Glazer with birth. And yeah, that's totally. the, and then there's I look one at, like, scene being that is being I, I alluded to that is awesome. Yeah. And then I look at being the Ricardos, and I'm like, okay, like she's still she's still able to do this kind of movie and give this kind of performance because. But we're going to reward her for that. <laughs> yeah, we're going to reward her for the crap movie, but we won't reward her for the film where she's actually really amazing. And um, but what I love also about it is that. I was nervous at first because like the character doesn't really have a lot to do in that first act. And you think like, Oh, that's really going to be all she's there for. Right. 
And then when you get to the third act, there's a lot more with her and the way that that plays out, I think is both fascinating and disturbing. And, and it goes, it goes in a direction you're not expecting it to necessarily. Although again, you know, if you know the Shakespeare stuff, you kind of have it kind of course corrects. That's the thing I was alluding to, which I I don't want to get too far into, but that is an interesting narrative choice. Yes. And I think that monologue and that sequence by her is awesome. And like, that's where I was hoping you know, the movie brought a little bit more of that, but then it went back to the kind of more straightforward right. revenge thing. And then there was another scene that I actually was truly unsettled by in a way that I'm still thinking about the scene and what Robert Eggers does with it. And it's the second time, you know, uh, Skarsgård's character is introduced to Willem Dafoe's character in another way yeah. in the cave. And <laughs> it's awesome too. <laughs> there's this shot where you think something's going to happen yeah. and it doesn't go where you think it is, yeah. but you're kind of thinking like, oh, he could do that at any time and do something really creepy, but it yeah. is so effective in how it's done. And like, I wouldn't be surprised if Willem Dafoe kept that as like a, like the prop. Oh, for himself. oh I, I wouldn't be surprised either. And those elements I do really like, I just feel like maybe, Maybe, you know, I don't, I don't know what I wanted and I should. It's no Thor the Dark want, World. But what like, can I say? <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, I like this more than Thor the Dark World, just so everyone knows. But um, yes, I think that sequence is awesome. And I like, the, like you said, like those kind of, you know, more supernatural elements that they bring in throughout the movie. I kind of, um, I vibe with each one of those scenes individually. And and that's the weird thing. Like every, I, I feel like when we talked about the North, uh, not the Northman, the lighthouse after, after we saw it, I felt really similarly where I'm like, man, I love the performances. I love the filmmaking. I love this sequence. I love this part. I like that. But then as a whole, I'm like, I don't know if it came together for me. And I, the lighthouse is the one movie of his that I do want to go back and rewatch. Um, I own it and I, I want to rewatch it, but, and give it another shot. I think with all of his things. And I think maybe he's one of those guys that on a second viewing, I might like his stuff more, but I've never gone back and rewatched his stuff. Cause like the witch, I remember seeing at midnight madness and I was one of the only people who was like, I didn't like that at all. And I'm like, uh, and then the lighthouse, I know we were all kind of mixed on it, but I know some people came around on it. And then, um, and then with this, I feel like I'm in the minority again, but which is fine. It's just sometimes you don't vibe with a filmmaker. And but he is one of those guys that I'm like, OK, maybe with tempered expectations and I know exactly what the movie is and what I'm going to get out of it. And I take all that shit of what I want the movie to be uh, in my head or what I I don't know what the hell I even wanted it to be. But like it's just so, something there's a disconnect and I'm like, OK, maybe on a rewatch, I'll give these another shot and and they'll work for me. And that being said. It's not that it, it's not a bad movie. And I think he, all the points you made are, are totally valid. And I know sometimes I would love to argue with you more and, and for better content, but like, I, I definitely understand why people dig the movie. Yeah. And, and again, like, it's not, it's not a perfect film either. Like, I, I think like, I don't think Alexander Skarsgård is bad, but I think he is deliberately, 
a blank slate for the most mm-hmm. part and mentioning archetypes again like you know you look at a performance like like you know mark hamill as luke skywalker in, in the star wars films the the original trilogy yeah. it, it it's works not a great but it's performance not, yeah. per se it's the people around it's serviceable yes yeah um and that's kind of what i i mean i think alexander skarsgård's best role is definitely in uh zoolander as as one of the models that go for uh a gasoline fight um but in terms of like he i think he's an interesting guy and in like he's he's picking stuff that is really kind of outside of the his kind of like almost traditional good looks and what have you. And, and like, he's going for things that are outside of the box, whether it be in something like, you know, Jeremy Saulnier's hold the dark or even in, I you know, a hold comedy like, you know, long shot where he plays the Canadian prime minister. Like he tries to do something a little bit off center. And I, I respect it, even though I don't think he necessarily registers but he works in this role as just kind of like a, a physically imposing yeah person and when you're watching those scenes where you know he's pummeling somebody or you know he's he's getting a sword and burying it you know and stashing it away for later use like i think that those scenes work and the physicality of his performance is is quite strong even though in terms of you know him having an interior life of his own it, there's not much there and and mm-hmm. for better or worse like if you're into those kind of fantasy movies of the 1980s that were a little rough and raw but also kind of had a psychedelic quality to them this fits in line more than what i was thinking like it still is an art house film and it still is it's it's guy yeah, fo- with a focus budget, did there basically yeah, which is I guess Robert Eggers in a nutshell. But like yeah. um um focus I, I can see them maybe some of the stuff we're talking about of, of keeping it simple were the notes that they gave him. Like I, I could see there being a much weirder, more confusing movie in here. Yeah. That like that still has that revenge through line, but maybe there were some subplots taken out. Maybe there and they like Universal's big thing was like okay, we're spent a lot on this movie. We need it to do well. We need people to just understand what the fuck is happening. So keep it simple. And, and maybe some of that stuff I'm saying I'm missing out of the movie was taking, taken out of it, but who knows? But he did talk about how he's had troubles with not having final cut on the movie and stuff like that too. Right. So, yeah. And especially when it's a film that had to do reshoots because of COVID it well, partly because of COVID and it made it harder, but, um, when you're looking at this movie as a whole, like it just is interesting. Like it is still a Robert Eggers movie. And like, even though he didn't have final cut, I wouldn't be surprised if he would be more hesitant, you know, moving forward to work with the studio. Yeah. Unless he could get final cut, which is something that like, I I think like only like Netflix or something like that would offer him a 24 might again. Well, yeah. Well, but a 24 is going to give him a budget of like, 25 million. million yeah or, or 25 yeah. say everything everywhere's budget which was 25 right yeah and like that's um, you know like that's that's a big budget a24 movie yeah and and for for his kind of movies i mean like i obviously he's been trying to get nosferatu made for which doesn't look like it's happening now right at least at, at the moment i mean he's got other stuff that he's morbius killed on. dracula movies <laughs> except renfield which we talked about in the nick cage review that was already maybe that'll shot, bring it but, back so yeah we, um, we can only hope but yeah, I, I think overall, like it's um, it's just a really solid art house movie with a blockbuster budget, and like I think that's like oh, what it I'm, more, comes I'm all down for to. that. Yeah, 
I hope we get more of those. But, it, uh, you know, if something like this stumbles a bit, then we're not going to get more of those. Well, it did better. But... It's weird because it did better than what people were projecting it to do, but it's still but not it's going still... to make money. Like, it's still yeah. not a film that it's like, I think after the first weekend when people kind of get win, maybe with like, VOD and streaming sales and all that, it'll be a cult stuff. film. Like, I wonder if he'll if we'll ever see a director's cut of the movie. And I don't Well, he said I, no. I he said, oh, he that, said that no. He's already yeah. said that this is the director's cut. Interesting. That yeah. is interesting because I know he talked about how much he had to fight for the edit, right? So yeah. Um, but some people are like, "Nah, fuck it. It's this is the movie I put out. That's the movie I put out. I'm not <laughs> fucking doing my other version." And you guys, compare. I'm not going back to this again. Yeah, which is totally fair. Um, I'm gonna give the movie a three out of five. Um, you might be going, Matt. You sounded way more negative than that. But I'm like, I didn't. It, it again when you just take it at its most basic form i'm like it's totally fine um i had some bigger issues that stop it from be- being great and i think the filmmaking elevates the material to be definitely watchable to me so i'm gonna give it a three out of five i'm gonna give it a four out of five i did quite enjoy it i i think that again the strength is in the the visual components specifically in the cinematography and in the editing yeah. and how it's kind of assembled, but I was also taken by surprise in a good way by how simplistic the narrative was as well. And marrying both kind of Eggers's, you know, obsessive compulsive interest in, you know, the past, but also marrying that well with kind of a more traditional plot. Awesome. Uh, thank you all for listening or watching. We really, really do appreciate it. Uh, like I meant, just mentioned, we have a review out for The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, um, which you guys should check out, as well as reviews for Everything Everywhere All at Once, um, uh, The Lost City, X, uh, Morbius, The Bubble, Apollo 10 and a half, uh, Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Uh, so tons and tons of stuff uh, for you guys to check out on the reviews channel. Uh, we're also back with a new draft, our 121st draft, where we talk about um, a little uh, bit of cinema talk of, of ranking the types of uh, uh, of theatrical experiences that you can get, uh, whether it's at home or at the movies, as well as um, some talk about Barry and Severance and uh, a bunch of other stuff we're going to talk about. So uh, go check that out as well. One stop shop for everything. Go over to untitled underscore movies over on Letterboxd. And as always, my name is Matt Rohrbeck. You can find more of my work around the internet, but mostly at untitledmoviepodcast.com. And you can follow me on all those social medias at Matt Rohrbeck. And I'm Eric March, and you can find more of my video reviews on rogerstv.com slash cinemascene and on the social medias at EM6211. Until next time. Can't wait for the sequel with Bjork as an action star. <laughs>